0: John 3:16 and for several weeks we've been in this verse of Scripture, and we'll look at it again uh, this morning. And as we've done a few times, we are going to do it again together. We're going to read the, the text together this morning uh, from John chapter 3 and verse 16. And uh, I am going to uh, give you a lot of scripture this morning. Most I will not ask you to turn to, uh, but I'll mark the reference for you, but there will be a couple of other passages in the book of John we'll look at this morning. So John chapter 3, verse 16, let's all read together. Ready? Begin. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning I want to look at this verse again, and we have looked at it from different angles. Uh, But this morning I want to speak on the family of John 3.16. Salvation brings a lot of wonderful things. Forgiveness. Uh, well, if it was just forgiveness, uh, we have everlasting life uh, through our salvation. But I want to look at the family uh, it found in John 3.16 this morning. And let's ask the Lord to help us as we look at the family of God today. Father, I pray that you would help us as we look into your word. May the Spirit of God be real, be evident. May he begin to work in hearts even now. And Father, there's one unsaved. I pray they get their salvation settled. May they realize uh, there's just a choice. There's, uh, there's no middle ground. It's either you accept Christ or you refuse him. You either believe on him or you, re- or you don't. And Father, I pray that we'll be encouraged by uh, what we see today. I pray that we'll be challenged and uh, edified. And Father, I pray that you'll bless your people. May Christ be magnified for us, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Certainly there is much more that John 3.16, as we've already seen, uh, than the average person understands. Certainly it's the most famous verse in the Bible, and we remind ourselves of this week in and week out. John 3.16 shows up in places that you don't expect John 3.16 to uh, show up, but Uh, We've looked at the significance of John 3.16, and why is this verse significant? Not because it's so well known, it's significant because of the love of God. We have salvation because of the love of God. We have forgiveness because of the love of God. But we also find the penalty in John 3.16, and that word perish uh, means to be lost eternally, lost forever. And we can escape that penalty because of John 3.16. We've also seen the life that is described in John 3.16, that everlasting life. And oh, that, that, that to never die that second death, to have eternal life, is something that certainly we should rejoice in. And then last week we spoke of the whosoever of John 3.16. Uh, whosoever, uh, who does this verse apply to? It applies to everybody. It applies to anyone. And this morning I want us to look at the family of John three sixteen, and I believe you'll understand what I'm speaking of as we get into the message. John three sixteen speaks of all these things that I've already mentioned this morning, but it also speaks of relationships. Salvation is evident and it is available, and it is a receipt of as evidence in a receiving of God's love. Salvation is an escape from a penalty, a penalty from what? From sin. We are all sinners in salvation, and we escape that penalty by not perishing. Salvation is to receive everlasting life. Jesus came for all. Jesus died for all. Everlasting life is available for all. God's Word tells us that whosoever might be saved. But because of God's love, and because Christ came, and because Christ died for our sins there is also a relationship to be gained. We are a people who need and enjoy relationships. But through John 3.16, there is a family we are born into unlike any other family. And this morning, I want to explore this family found in John 3.16. If you look at John 3.16 again this morning, there are several words that jump out to me, and seemingly every word in this passage of Scripture seems to have a meaning and give extra meaning. But you notice something very significant and obvious right away. You have God the Father, and He refers to His Son, there's an obvious family relationship there that we're going to look at in closer detail this morning, but we're going to look at because of that relationship, there's a relationship that we gain, and how we gain that relationship, and what that relationship means. First of all, this, this morning, number one, I want us to look at God the Father. All things start with God. Everything starts with Him. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we are reminded that in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. That was not God's beginning. That was the earth's beginning. God is an eternal God. He is an eternal Father. All things begin with God. Where does love begin? It begins with God. Where does life begin? It begins with God. Hebrews chapter 3, in verse 4, says, For every house is built by some man. That's a pretty simple statement. Everything, this building, was built by some man. The house you live in is built by some man. But let's finish that verse. It says, for every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Before there ever was anything, there was God. We're talking about God the Father. He is self-existing. He needed no creator because He is the creator. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresence. He is Elohim, Jehovah. He's the Almighty. He is the author of the laws of the universe, yet He is not bound within those laws. He named every star after speaking them into existence. He sits on His throne and is worshiped by adoring angels. He is the Holy One. He is so big that the universe cannot contain Him, yet He hears the prayers of His children. I want us to be reminded very quickly and simply this morning that all things begin with God. This is not a universe of chance. This is something that God created. God created all things. He is the Almighty. He is the authority. And so that is part of this relationship I want us to see. If there is God the Son and there is in Jesus Christ, we must first recognize that there is God the Father. God the eternal one. And if we say as we do, I have a heavenly father and as a child of God today, I can say he is my heavenly father. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the Almighty. We're talking about Jehovah God. We're talking about the one who created all things. So we see first in this relationship of the family found in John 3:16 You have God the Father. Now I want to turn very quickly, number two, to God the Son. And we see, that second of all, the Son's relationship to the Father. Every word in Scripture is there on purpose. It's there because God put it there. And it was so important that God put it there and He preserved it for all of eternity. And if you notice in your Bible this morning, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now those words are very key and those words are very critical because it designates and it establishes the relationship of the Son to the Father. Only begotten Son. That word begotten is used to describe the unique relationship between father and son, it describes it's not just a relationship, it is a unique relationship. God the Father, his only begotten Son, it is unique only to Jesus Christ. It is designate the only begotten Son. There are some false religions, cults that would say God had many sons and they're all equal. They're wrong. It is a lie. There is only one, the only begotten Son. Now, follow very carefully with me because God establishes that Jesus as the only begotten Son of God. If you turn over a page or two to John chapter number 1, we see in, in chapter number 1, verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What is this verse of Scripture telling us? In the Word, which is a name for Jesus, was made flesh. He put on flesh. God put on this robe of flesh and dwelt among us. As of the only begotten of the Father. Isaiah chapter number seven, verse fourteen, from where we get the name of our church. Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, of course, God with us. There is a the Old Testament prophet Isaiah prophesied that there would be a, a woman, a virgin, and, and the Messiah would be born of a virgin. He prophesied this in Isaiah chapter number 7 in verse number 14. In Luke chapter number 1 and verse 31, we find these words, "...as an angel speaks to Mary, and behold, thou shalt conceive in the womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus." In the same chapter, verse 34 and 35, Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. We find a fulfillment of the prophecy in the book of Isaiah, and we find that prof- uh, fulfilled in Luke chapter number 1. You say, Pastor, why is this important? Because John three sixteen tells us of a unique relationship between the Son to God the Father. John chapter 1, verse 14 tells us that God the Son put on flesh, came to this earth and dwelt among us as the only begotten of the Father. He was born of a virgin, God the Father, who sits on His throne, is His Father as the only begotten Son, and He was born of a virgin, fulfilling this prophecy. Matthew chapter number 3 and verse 17, "And, "'And lo, a voice from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased.'" God is speaking of His Son. Matthew chapter 17, verse number 5, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Now God the Father, who has always existed, God the Father, who is the created of all things, for God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? His only begotten Son. The only one who has a unique relationship, such as they have, to the Father. Now, if you have your Bible in the book of John, I want you to turn over to John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10, and we're going to read several verses from this passage of Scripture as we focus on and we establish the relationship of the Son to the Father, And while you're turning there, let me just remind you that what I'm I'm doing this morning is vital. Because there are a lot of, of false religions and false teachings and false prophets today that claim that you can get to the Father a different way than the Son. But you cannot get to the Father unless you go through the only begotten Son. There's a unique relationship that will only satisfy God the Father. And I can't get into it today, but next Sunday we're going to speak on, Lord willing, the redemption found in John 3.16. And we're going to talk in detail about how we are redeemed by the blood of Christ. But God the Father has a unique relationship with God the Son. We see in John chapter number 10, Jesus speaking, he says, as the Father, in verse 15, "...as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father." And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Because in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus. It was not the fact that Jesus just came to dwell among us. He did many, many miracles of which the world could not contain if they were all recorded, but He came with a purpose, and Jesus speaks of it in verse 17, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Same chapter, John chapter number 10, verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Okay, he does these works in his Father's name. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Because verse 28, and I give unto them eternal life. Verse 29, my Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Not to spend too much time on it, because I don't have time this morning, but what is Jesus teaching? He is teaching that that I have come to lay down my life so that uh, you may have eternal life. And those that know me, those that have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, they are in my Father's hand, and no man can pluck them out of his hand. The Almighty God who existed before this world existed. The Almighty God who the universe cannot contain. The Almighty God who is so powerful that the, that the galaxies that you see and all those stars in the space, He spoke them into existence. What did He do? He said, and He called them by name and every star has a name. He says, you be there and you go there and He spoke them all into existence. That God has His children, those that believe on Jesus, in His hand, and no man can open the hand of God and pluck out the Father's hand. But verse 30, I and my Father are one. The only begotten Son has a unique relationship to the Father. I and my Father are one. John 14, I want you to look there, familiar passage of scripture, John chapter number 14, beginning with verse number 1, the Bible says, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, They had a hard time understanding and accepting that unique relationship you believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Whither I go ye you know, and the way ye you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus tells them of his Father's house. Say, let me tell you what's in my dad's house. He says, there's many mansions. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be leaving soon. I'm going to go and I'm going to construct your mansion. I'm going to construct the mansions of all those who call on me. When I'm done with their mansion, I'm calling home so so they can be there with me. And Thomas, how are we going to know the way? It just makes sense to me that if there's a son with a unique relationship that only he has... He came from the Father's house, he testifies of the Father's house, probably would have something to say about how to get to the Father's house. In verse number 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now there's a a lot to, that we could take time on this morning, but I just want to Bear a couple of things out, reminds him of a couple of things. He didn't say you couldn't get there. He said you can get there. Matter of fact, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. But you got to go through me. Because the Son has a unique relationship, the only begotten Son, to the Father. Because of the unique relationship between God the Father and God the Son, the Son is the only way to the Father. That's why we're also told that there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Man cannot mediate the sins for another man. Only God's Son, Jesus Christ, the only begotten. I don't care how holy a man says he is. I don't care what a church says they have the power to do. There's only one begotten Son, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only access to the Father. Why? Because of His unique relationship. Friends, if another man tells you that they can get you, they can pray and absolve you of your sins, ask them to show you how they have a unique relationship, the same as Jesus Christ has. Because only Jesus has that relationship. And by the way, Mary don't have the same relationship with God that Jesus has. The Bible says, only begotten Son... The only way to the Father, and not just Mary, any religious leader of the years gone by, any teacher from years gone by, there is only one begotten Son. Now, we need to establish this morning that there's God the Father. Everything begins with Him. We see, number two, that we, there's a relationship between the Son and the Father, and we need to be reminded of that relationship. Now, number three, and this is important to know, and I enjoy when I think about my Heavenly Father. When you think of God and the bigness of God, you think of Jesus Christ, His Son. <clears throat> but thirdly, this morning, after we have already seen God the Father, we have read many verses from establishing God the Father in the relationship to God the Son, I want us thirdly this morning to focus on the Son's relationship to us. I am grateful that God informs us and preserves for us and lets us know of His relationship with Jesus and Jesus' relationship to us or to Himself. But it's because of that relationship we can now look at Jesus' relationship to us. Jesus... Is the Son to God the Father. But who is Jesus? Stay with me, the only begotten Son to you and me. Well, quite simply, he's the Savior of the world. In John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, believeth in who? His only begotten Son our Savior. I remind you this morning that sin separates us from God. Romans 3.23 reminds us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, He is our Savior. His relationship to us, that's why we are told, that's why God the Father says, I love the world, I'm sending my Son, my only begotten Son, because because of His relationship to me, He's the way for man to get to me. So then we must focus on Christ's relationship with us because we cannot have a relationship with God unless we have a relationship with His Son because God gave His Son. God did not say in John 3, 16 that if you just believe in me, you can have access to me. No, He didn't say that. He didn't say that if you just believe that Jesus was born in a manger, you, you can have access to me. No, he said there's a reason why I gave my son, my only begotten son, because he is the only one who he's ha- going to have a relationship with you, which in turn will give you a relationship with me. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26, For then must he often have suffered sin the forbearance of for, for the, sin, the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world, hath He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Christ had to sacrifice Himself for sin. Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. John 4, 42, And know, that they uh, indeed the Christ. The, I am indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Philippians three twenty. For our conversation is in heaven. From whom do, do we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? Second Timothy one ten. But it is no more made man fit by the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, who hath absolutely, uh, um, who has abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. Uh, first, 2 uh, Timothy uh, uh, 1, we're, we're reminded that it is the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to, to, to light through the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. <clears throat> That's why Acts sixteen thirty one, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Because in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Who who do we believe in? The only begotten Son. That is the only thing that you and I can believe in, and get access to the Father. Follow me now. I know it's Labor Day weekend and it's Sunday, and I know you had to get up early for Sunday school this morning. But this is so important for you and I to be reminded of, that God, the Father, who is above all things, who is before all things, He gave this world His only begotten Son. There's that unique relationship between the Son and Himself. So how do I get to the Father? How do I get forgiveness of my sins? How do I get access to Him? It's because of a relationship I have with the Son. As a child, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and I was saved. I didn't have my faith in anything else. I didn't have my faith in anyone else. I didn't have my faith in the church. All I knew is I was a sinner on my way to hell and Jesus paid that price for me. And because he paid that price for me, if I believed in him and trusted him... I could be forgiven. I could have a home in heaven. And the best I could with the faith of a child, I believed on him, and he became my personal Savior. I'm glad he came as the Savior of the world. But friend, if you're saved this morning, you know it means a whole lot more when he's your personal Savior. And if you're saved this morning, if you're redeemed this morning, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior this morning, let me tell you something. You have got a personal relationship When Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, when he was on that cross, he died for the whole world. But while he was dying for the whole world, he was dying for you, he was dying for me, he was aware of my sins he was paying for, he was aware of my eternal punishment he was paying for, he was aware of of the love he had for me in doing so, and when I trusted him, he became my personal savior. That's why, don't use his name as a curse word around me, he's my personal savior. That's why I get greatly offended and upset when I hear of a false teaching and false religion that says you can get to God another way because He's my personal Savior. I know what He has done for me. This morning I stand here, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, and there's all that goes with that, the the streets of gold, a, a, a glorified body. But let me tell you what I'm enjoying right now on this side of eternity. I know Jesus personally. He is my personal Savior. <clears throat> I take you back to John fourteen six. I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. I've reminded you of God the Father, who has a unique relationship with the Son. If He was not the only begotten Son, we would have no way to the Father. This is why... Satan attacks the deity of Christ through the virgin birth. This is why, uh, through false religion, uh, the false religion teaches, and Satan is the author of all false religion, that there's another way besides Jesus. Nope, there's just one, and it's because of the unique relationship that the Son had with the Father. But we must also be reminded of our relationship with the Son, He's our Savior. He took upon Himself the sins of the world. As, a, as, a, as somebody who saved this morning, I have a relationship with Him. Now, number four, and I think this will tie it all together. It will not be much longer this morning, but I want to mention our relationship now to the Father. We have God the Father who created all things. He created this world we live in. <clears throat> he created the first man. He saw that first man was alone and gave that first man a wife. We know the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, and from there sin was passed to man to man. And God loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son, my only Son, the one who has a unique relationship with me. He gave Him with the purpose so that we might have a relationship with the Son. Jesus came, he didn't just come to fulfill his duty. He came because he desired to have that relationship with you and I. He came with a desire to be the sin sacrifice to every man. And when you trust Christ and you trusted Christ as your Savior, he became a personal Savior. Now, because of our relationship with Jesus, having trusted Him as our Savior, and because of His relationship that is unique to just Him, to God the Father. Guess what we now have? We now have a relationship with the God who created all things. We now have a relationship who we are not even worthy to enter in His presence because of His holiness. He would not even allow us to approach Him because of His sin. But he knew because of sin and because of his own holiness and righteousness, there is only but one way for sinful man to get back to him. And I love a man, but because of their sin, I'm going to have to cast them into outer darkness. Because of their sin, I'm going to have to cast them into that eternal perishing and that lake of fire. But I love them. I don't want to have to do that, but because of their sin and my justice and my holiness, I must do that. But because I love them, I'm going to send my only begotten son who has a relationship with me that nobody else has with the intention that he will be the sin sacrifice and he will be their savior. They might look to him and believe on him and through their relationship with my son, now they have a relationship with me. In John chapter number 1, which we've already looked at, but in verse 12, the Bible says, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Today, I can say, and if you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you can say it as well. God is my heavenly Father. I am a son of God. I am a child of God. How can I say that? Because as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. I was born into the family of God the moment I put my faith and trust in Him. John chapter number 3 John 3 begins with the story of Nicodemus. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man becomes a son of God, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can sinful man become a son of God? Well, chapter 1, verse 14 tells us that it's the power. What is the power? It's the power of salvation to become the sons of God. 1 John 3, verse 1 and 2 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knoweth him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. I want to end, conclude with this. We see in John three sixteen For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That is significant because God the Father has a unique relationship with Jesus Christ that he has with no one else. But God loved us so much that he sent his Son to be that Savior. And because of our relationship with him, as we've already established, we now have a relationship with God. We're referred to as the sons of God. You have the only begotten. that's a unique relationship that only Jesus has. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 speaks of the adoption into the family of God by the Spirit of God. And being adopted into the family, I have the same inheritance as the only begotten Son. And Jesus' relationship is unique because He is the Son of God, but... God in his love and his mercy and his grace through salvation adopts us into his family. Well, this i to do something for you this morning, not just the fact that Jesus would come and pay for your sins. There's a God in heaven who loved you enough that he would send his son to come pay for your sins. And then be eager to take you into his family, knowing what you are, knowing the sins that you've committed, and they're washed under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now God claims you and I as his own children. I don't know what many of you may have faced in your life, and maybe you've grew up in a home where you were rejected by, by father or mother, or you were rejected by your family, or maybe you even deal with that today. but let me tell you something right now, because of the Savior, because of the Lord Jesus Christ and his unique relationship with God the Father. If you have a relationship with his son. You have a heavenly Father that is not ashamed of you, that will never cast you away, will never send you away. As a matter of fact, the Savior says you're so secure in His hand, no man can pluck you out of His hand, and God in heaven looks at you and I as His children. That's why we were reminded that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Often somebody who comes, to, they, they haven't been saved long, but they come to church for the first time and they, why do you break all of Brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so. None of y'all look alike. We have the same Father. The Heavenly Father. That is why our church family many times feels more like family than our blood family. That's why a lost world can't understand. Why would you choose church over? Why would you choose God over? They don't understand because there's a love for my Father, my heavenly Father. I don't understand why you you, you act like those those people you go to church with and those other Christians are more family than your own blood. It's because we are... Because we have the same Father, the only begotten, and through His unique relationship, we become the sons of God. Jesus always was the Son of God. And it's through Him we're saved. John 3.16 this morning allows us to join the family. And one day there's going to be a great family reunion. And in essence, when you take a broad picture, and it's, it's, it's difficult to do in the limited time we have every week, and the best we can with our limited understanding, when you take a broad picture and you look that when the time comes when the Father, who's the only one that knows when He's going to call us home, when He says, blow that trumpet, what is He saying? Tell the kids, It's time to come home. Tell all my children, the mansions are ready. It's time to come home. See, the day is coming when this, when Satan is going to be bound and cast into that lake of fire for eternity. But there's going to be a great family reunion in the crowds. Yes, those of our loved ones who's gone on before us and and they are more alive today than they've ever been, we're going to be reunited with them. But not just that, the whole family's getting together. And then we'll see Brother Paul and we'll see Brother John and, and we'll meet those great missionaries of the past who, who, who gave all on, on the mission field. We'll, read, we'll meet those martyrs that we read in Hebrews chapter number 11 because all the brothers and sisters are going to be home. And in that day, they will not take time to read it again this morning, but week after week we've read from Revelation chapter number 20 when, that, when all of the dead, all those who did not know the Lord, never took care of their personal relationship with the Son of God. They're called before God and when He says... Depart from me, I never knew you. What is he saying? You're not kin to me. You've never been adopted into my family. I don't know who you are. Just as a stranger approached you and said, Give me all of your inheritance. Depart from me, I don't know you. But aren't you thankful? God, when He looks down, He looks at you as His child. You've been adopted into the family. No matter what earthly relationships you have or you don't have, you have one in your Heavenly Father who will never disown you. He'll never be disappointed in you. He'll never cast you away. There's a family in John 3, 16... We have God the Father, God the Son. And I'm thankful for that relationship because without it, we would have no hope. I want you to think about it this morning. Next time, and I hope it's very soon, that you bow your head in prayer. I want you to think about those words we often say. Dear Heavenly Father, may it mean a little more to us then it's just the words we say in a prayer. That's why we can go to God. That's why we should go to God. As we would our own earthly father that ask him for something that we cannot do for ourselves. My heavenly father, may we live today where we don't dishonor him. May we live today where we don't disgrace him. May we live today bringing honor to his name, well, if you put all this in context, that's why the greatest thing we do on a daily basis is live to honor God while wow, He's our Heavenly Father. I, I, don't, I don't want to bring any reproach to the family name. I don't want to bring reproach to other brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, you not to compel us as we realize, and we're reminded this morning of the privilege we have through salvation, through the Lord Jesus, to be part of His family We ought to compel us to tell everybody we know that they also can be part of the family. Hey, I I want to be with you for eternity. I want you to know what it's like to be in the family of God. This morning as we go to invitation, I want you to think about whether or not you're in the family. If you're not in the family, you can get in the family today. There's not any paperwork you've got to fill out. There's not a waiting process you got to go through. You've got to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in the family of God, let's rejoice that we're in His family. Let's remember who our Father is. Let's remember who cares for us. Let's remember who we'll be in eternity with.